round the kitchen, Kathleen, Maureen said gently. Mrs. Harris is in there. She'll give you a drink of cocoa and a biscuit. She put a finger under Kathleen's wobbling little chin. And don't worry, dear, she whispered. We'll find you somewhere nice to stay. Yes, miss. Kathleen made her way towards the door at the back of the hall. In the kitchen, plump, motherly Joan Harris had the kettle on. She beamed at Kathleen. Hello, my duck, she said. And what do they call you? Kathleen. Cathy. Uh, miss. Uh, Mrs. And what can I do for you, Cathy? The lady out there said you'd give me some cocoa and a biscuit, Cathy said. And so I will. Just sit you down. Joan eyed the little girl thoughtfully. Her clothes were shabby and outgrown, and she looked small for her age, and far too thin by Joan's standards. She took in the stringy hair and pale, tear-stained face, and her soft heart melted. "'Got no one to stay with, my duck? she asked. Cathy's eyes filled with tears. "'The lady where I was staying said I was no use to... to man or beast,' she quoted. Joan bridled. "'Saints alive! What a thing to say! Why was that, then?' "'It was because I didn't know how to milk her goat, and I couldn't turn the handle on the well.' Joan Harris nodded. Uh, "'I wouldn't mind betting that were old Mrs. Fenning,' she said. Kathleen stared at her. "'How did you guess?' "'She's a hard old nut to crack. Don't you worry about her,' Joan said." The Archangel Gabriel himself would have his work cut out trying to please Lizzie Fenning, and no mistake. She put a steaming mug in front of Kathleen and took the lid off a tin of biscuits. There you are, my duck. You get that down you, and don't you fret. If anyone can find you a nice home, it'll be Miss Kendrick. Cathy drank the hot, sweet drink with relish and gobbled down the biscuit. She'd been sent to bed last night without any supper because she hadn't been able to milk the goat. The creature had terrified her, staring menacingly at her with its strange, colourless eyes. It had seemed to sense her fear and had kicked out viciously the moment she went near it with the bucket. Noticing the ravenous way Cathy demolished the biscuit, Joan pushed the biscuit tin closer. "'Are you hungry, lovey? Here, help yourself!' There was something heart-wrenching about this little one. She wished with all her heart she could take her home with her, but she knew it wasn't possible. She had four children of her own, and with the three evacuees she had impulsively volunteered to take in, her tied cottage was full to bursting point. It was a good job that her Fred was easy-going and fond of kids. Cathy munched her biscuit, her tummy rumbling in appreciation. She'd never seen a place like Beckett's Green before, and when she'd arrived here and stepped down from the bus with all the other children, she'd looked around her in wide-eyed amazement. There were hardly any buses or cars on the narrow roads, and the houses were so funny, many of them built out of roughly cut stones and roofed with thatch. Mum used to keep her hankies in an old chocolate box with a picture of a thatched cottage on the lid, but Cathy had always believed that they only existed in fairy tales, or on chocolate boxes. Yet here they were with people actually living in them as though it was normal. There were lots of trees and fields full of green grass with horses and cows. There was a little church with a squat grey tower and a school shaped like a gingerbread house nestling beside it. She could hardly believe her eyes. 
She might as well have been transported to another planet, so strange was it all. It smelled different, too. In London, the air smelt of soot and petrol and the rotting fruit and veg from the barrows and the market stalls. They were the smells Cathy was familiar with. Here, it was different. She wasn't sure what the smells were, apart from Mrs. Fenning's goat, or whether she actually liked them. Not that she'd had much time so far to find out. Mrs. Fenning's cottage had a thatched roof, but it was neither pretty nor romantic. It had a parlour whose door seemed to be permanently locked, a living room with a stone-flagged floor and a black smoking range, a draughty, lean-to kitchen led out onto the yard where the goat lived. Upstairs there were two bedrooms. The one she'd slept in was at the back. It was cold and cheerless, furnished with a single iron bedstead with a lumpy flock mattress, a chair and a washstand.